Yo, what's going on, everybody? Um, I want to welcome you all to episode 22 of the Get Hooked podcast. As always, week to week, I'm your boy, Hook. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of virtual learning. Um, uh, virtual learning, I think, has become a, uh, a new norm for the majority of us. And uh, with the panelists that we have, uh, I, try, I did my best to cover the entire spectrum of people who are affected in terms of educators, parents, and also students. Um, so um, what I'll do is I'll let the panel go ahead and introduce themselves, tell you a little bit about who they are, and uh, we'll go ahead and get things started. My name is uh, Jada Jones. I'm going to. I'm in the eleventh grade at Rockville High in South Carolina. Um, I play basketball. I run track and I also play soccer. I'm part of the Beta Club and the National Honor Society. Hi, I'm Layla. I am a ninth grader at Rockville High, and I play basketball and soccer. And I'm starting high school is different, and definitely. A difference since COVID hit. All right, thank you guys. Hi, I'm Anaya Whaley. I'm a freshman at Clapham University in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and my major is mass communications. Thank you, Naya. Hi, I'm Carmela Williams. Um, I go by the alias Carmela B on social media. Um, I am a 10th grade world literature teacher at Arabia Mountain High School in Georgia. Um, I also serve as a 10th grade sponsor as well as the swim coach there. I also offer tutoring services. <laughs> Shameless plug, I feel you. <laughs> Hi, and I am Melanie Washington. I am a sales analyst at a um, corporate food distributor company. Um, and I have three students that are exclusively virtual, two that are in kindergarten, and one that is in the 11th grade. All right, thank you guys. Once again, I really appreciate that. And um, as you can see, I think that we pretty much covered uh, the entire spectrum of people who are affected, adversely affected, or however you want to call it. Um, but we'll go ahead and get this thing cracking. And for the audience, uh, just make sure that you react. Uh, make sure you subscribe and make sure you care. And um, also make sure you comment. I'm sure that uh, a lot of us have some experiences uh, as, as far as virtual, learn virtual learning is concerned. Uh, so please make sure you provide your commentary as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so the first question that I have for you guys um, first thing I want to know from each of you, and some of you may have, uh, may have already elaborated on this, but um, are you currently doing exclusively virtual or um, are you currently like on campus? So I can start since I kind of said it in my uh, intro. I have three that are exclusively virtual. Okay. Um, I'm also exclusively virtual in Georgia. We're on an um, AB model. When we have Wednesdays off, well, Wednesdays are used as parent conferences, student conferences, um, things like that. Yes, I'm exclusively, I'm exclusively virtual. Um, we are, we're exclusively virtual, except we have one um, class that's on campus because it can't be taken online. So we just go to campus for that one class and then come back home for the rest of our classes. Okay. Thank you. So for the most part, everyone's at home um, is what I'm understanding. All right. Uh, so let's go on to the next question. Uh, do you feel you're getting the same learning experience or 
from the educator standpoint, the um, teaching experience? Um, I don't feel like students are just because, well, for, for me, in the spring, it worked really well because I had already developed a rapport with those students. I knew those students because they were with me all year. This year, I've, I never met my students in person, so that makes a huge difference. There's a barrier there. Um, my class is discussion-based, so it's really hard having those online discussions, unless we're typing in a forum, but having those face-to-face online discussions has been a challenge. Um, and we've actually been in school for two weeks now. So um, with the two kindergartners, um, they haven't gotten into their core curriculum just yet. Um, so I can't really speak on that learning experience. However, I do think that they're missing um, the social part um, and the personal touch of actually speaking, being in a classroom with their friends or their classmates and actually having physical contact with their teachers. Um, for my son that is in high school, um, his learning experience, you know, I'm not too involved because he's kind of independent and he can take care of that on his own. Um, but it is much better, a hundred percent better than it was in the springtime when they were, when they were actually released in March. Um, back in March, they kind of just did whatever. And I think they just got a passing grade, um, because no one knew what to do then. It was all of a sudden, um, and, we everyone was scrambling trying to figure out you know would this last or would they go back to school but this go around this new school year they actually have you know live google meet sessions that they have to attend um each period with their teacher and have that face-to-face instruction i think it definitely isn't it definitely is not the same learning experience just because you know you're going to school but it doesn't feel like you're in school and it, you're with a bunch of people that you don't really know. Well, I don't know this because I went to new school, but you don't you don't know who they are. So it's definitely like weird and like you don't really get to know them like you would at normal school. Um, for me, it's like I have some classes that haven't really gotten into anything yet, but there's also like two of my classes that have already started assignments. And it's different because like the teacher's not there. Like you, you have like the Zoom meetings, but they they're like only like 15 minutes for you to check in and for them to tell you what to do. So the teacher's not kind of there like to instruct you along the way like you would get when you go back to school, like face to face. For me, it's really hard to tell because it's my first year of college, so. I didn't have any prior college experience. Um, High school was very different, but I would say that as far as the learning experience is what you make it. Um, My classes are like nine to five. So if you just do your work and just log off Zoom, then your learning experience is not gonna be fun. But if you participate in the campus activities, they have virtual and like, you know, talk with your teachers and do Zoom instructions, extra things, then your your experience can be a lot more fun or if not the same that's on campus. But as far as it being the same, I don't think that it's the same because it's not face-to-face and you don't have any social, physical interaction with the people that you're on Zoom with. All right, cool beans. And and let's stay here for a second because, um, Mel, you mentioned something about, well, uh, a, a few of you mentioned um, that there may have been some changes uh, that have been implemented uh, in terms of 
from March until now, because in March, obviously, we were kind of thrust into this whole virtual environment. You know, it wasn't something that we had time to really prepare for. So, and, and maybe all of you can, can elaborate on it. Like, what changes, uh, whether it be positive, negative, what have you, have been made since March? Has anything changed from the virtual learning side since this pandemic started up until now, since we had an entire summer to really prepare for it? I think um, the teachers are more prepared. Um, like I said, back in March for their high school, um, it was basically, hey, um, these are your assignments that were posted. You do the assignment and that's it. Um, you know, some teachers had the requirements where they met with students while others didn't. My son was one of them where he didn't have to check in every day. Um, attendance wasn't taken. There was no synchronous learning experience for them. Um, it was it uh, was kind of, you know, very similar to my college experience. You either go or you don't. You either do your assignment or you don't. Um, and they were pretty much just kind of thrown out there. Um, but this year it is much different. You know, role is being taken. They have that synchronous face-to-face -face time that they have to attend. Cameras have to be on. And they also have to participate. Um, and I will say the changes that um, for the elementary, of course, I didn't know, you know, what to expect with the little ones, but um, new for this year in our school district, they have given all students, you know, Chromebooks, where before that was unheard of to give kindergartners and first graders Chromebooks. Um, it's an experience trying to get them to understand how to use them and, you know, letting them know that they're not for YouTube um, because they are five, <laughs> but you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to work through that. And again, it's, it's just been two weeks. Um, they, they're learning as they go. They're, they're learning to, you know, leave each session by hanging up, you know, they know how to mute and unmute themselves now. Um, so it is, it's, it's very different, uh, but I do see that there were a ton of changes and it was very thought out and planned this go around. Okay, cool. I I think um, I think now teachers and students are more accustomed to Zoom. Um, when I did Zoom after March, it was kind of like my teachers did not know what they were doing. Um, they had to kind of like work around um, the rims of like the sources that they had and just kind of like learning Zoom. And students didn't know a lot about it as well. Most of us, to be honest, we're just trying to graduate. So we were just kind of like fed up already and really frustrated. So our teachers try to make the most of the experience. But like now I can see that the teachers like know how to use technology. Um, they're accustomed to, they know the ins and out of how it works. Students are accustomed to now because you know if you have a class at night, you need to log on 8.50. Um, so I think everyone's now accustomed to Zoom and trying to like just learning the virtual space that we're in now and just trying to work with that. All right. Anyone else experience yeah. any uh, life altering changes? <laughs> I'll go ahead, Carmela. Sorry. Um, yes, the same thing Melanie said. Um, there's more structure. Um, in March, we were just kind of thrusted out there. And a lot of schools were one-to-one, -one, but they never really implemented that infrastructure to help with that one-to-one. -one. So ideally, we should have been prepared. Most schools should have been prepared. But we kind of gave students iPads and Chromebooks and MacBooks five, six years ago, but we never did what we should have done um, to prepare us for times like these. So in March, teachers weren't prepared. And then when you think about ageism, you have teachers who were 50 and 60 years old who had to learn how to use all of these different platforms in two days. So it was really hard. Um, a lot of districts adopted this 
um, model where students did not necessarily have to show up and they had to have a passing grade. This year, we have to take attendance. They have to be in class. So there's more structure. Um, I don't like that the expectations are the same as they were in the traditional setting. So we're trying to still create that old normal instead of being innovative and figuring out how to adjust with this new normal. Okay, cool. Uh, Leila and Jada, uh, anything uh, different for you guys from March till now? I would say it's, like they said, it's way more organized and they have like a certain structure that's going on. Like for one thing, like if you don't have a mandatory Zoom meeting that day, so I have like A day, B day classes. So if you don't have mandatory Zoom meetings, you have to do a survey on on Canvas of like the time when the time of that class is, and you have to just type, put your survey in, say if you attended the, attended the class, and then you would go and do the work for that class that's due that day. Yeah. All right, cool beans. I appreciate the commentary, everybody. And um, we have a question from someone in the audience. Um, Karen asked, as a student or parent, what proactive things have you done to enhance the virtual experience? And uh, Camille, I want you to, uh, to expound upon this as well. As an educator, is there anything that you've done differently uh, to make it more streamlined or? Um, something that I try to do is, like I said, my classroom is discussion-based. So it's um, world literature where we discuss um, a lot of different cultures. And it's important that I create a compassionate classroom where students are comfortable speaking to each other. So I've been trying to take advantage of the Zoom option to have breakout rooms so they can meet each other. So I try to change that every class period, changing the breakout room so they meet different students because it's really hard to develop an authentic connection online. So I've really been striving just to work on that part because the students can master developing that authentic connection. They can learn. They can do anything else after that. So that's been the hardest part. I like I actually am a huge fan of the Zoom breakout rooms. We use that um, at work and it allows us to collaborate um, very well with each other in smaller groups. Um, that's that's a great idea. I might pass that along um, to my son's teachers. But um, to answer the question, um, again, I just try to create an environment where of course they're comfortable because they're at home, you know, so just making, you know, a desk or you know some some place that's secluded and quiet there where there's no toys involved you know for the little ones so they can't see you know what they want to play with or there's no distractions no TVs are on um, there's there's no no phones no iPads or anything around them and just to make sure that they're strictly focused um, it's hard to do with five year olds um, but uh, the school um, being the, excuse me the kindergarten program that they're in. Um, they've broken it down to, I think, two hours of synchronous time a day, and it's split up throughout the whole school day. So it's not like they're sitting there for two hours straight. You know, they'll have 30 minutes worth of face-to-face -face time, then they'll have, you know, a brain break or go to PE or even recess is built into their schedule to give them a break and break it up. Um, and then with the high school, I just try to make sure that I emphasize, you know, they know everything. So it's hard to do that. But I just try to tell him, hey, you still need to get up, brush your teeth, wash your face, put on a shirt at least. You know, you can have pajama <laughs> pants on, but 
physically act like you're going to school because what they don't know right now is that you know slumming around in pajamas all day not not doing those physical things that we would as we prepare to leave out of the house that gets you uninterested you know it, it makes you not want to participate so doing all of those things as if you were preparing to actually go into a physical classroom um would help a whole lot and just change your attitude and kind of spurs you up and give you that energy that you need to last throughout the whole day yeah um just to follow on what she said like we have to get up early and get ready either for going to school and like be, a, be in an ice isolated place in our house where there's like no TV, no noise, no distractions, as if we were going to school and stay focused. Um, yeah, our mom, she actually got us like each two individual desks so that like we have it in a place in our house in the dining room and like the TV's off during when we have Zoom meetings and everything and um, there's like no distractions around us at all. Yeah, just to add what they were saying, um, definitely just be like structured with like your time as far as like getting up, being prepared, um, being dressed. Cause with our classes, you have to be physically dressed, like up, sitting up for you to get credit or attendance for that class. So just like being there mentally more so than physically has been like a challenge, but it does help you be proactive with things. Just making sure that you stay on top of things and just being there mentally, like like understanding that this is what you have to do. So you have to make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, like I mentioned earlier, I think this new normal is um, is it's a is it's a big change for all of us. Like I'm just not that creative, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. So I, I'm just my brain doesn't operate that way. Um, so um, I know I do know though that I have to be mindful um, because my daughter, for whatever reason, she has this problem with having her camera on. So I'm always having to let her know that, hey, you need to make sure you have your camera on. She's like, well, I'm logged in. Like, it doesn't matter. You need to treat this like you're in an actual classroom. Um, so I'm working with her with that. And it just, uh, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, I also find myself having to make sure that, because I work from home too, so it's kind of hard for me to monitor, you know, what they're doing, what they're not doing. Uh, so I'm also mindful about what I wear when I log into work because normally I got on like a white beater or some basketball shorts and stuff like that. And they see that and they're like, well, you know, my daddy got this on so I can wear this too. So I got to let them know you got to present yourself as such. So I'm, I'm having to watch exactly what I have on when I'm even if I'm not on camera that day from work. So um, all good commentary. Um, That's a great point because um, I was doing the same thing exclusively. I'm working from home as well. Um, and I was in the bonnet and pajamas and everything <laughs> as well. And then when school started, I said, okay, it, it's time to make the example of, you know, I can't just keep telling them that they have to do it. I have to be that example. So I'm up with them, you know, doing the same thing, taking the bonnet off, making sure I'm dressed as well just to set the tone and set the example. Yeah, it's no longer a case. I know when we were coming up, it was, you know, with our parents, it was like, you do as I say, and that's pretty much it. You know, don't ask why. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, kids are like, well, if you got this one, why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? So um, now we're, we're at the point where we would just have to lead by example, I guess. Um, so next question, uh, what barriers have you guys experienced? Oh man, the first couple of days was pretty rough. Um, they got it all together, but um, I think the first day and a half, we had um, Chromebooks 
for um, the kindergartners because the high school, he already had his from last year, so he was set. But I didn't have passwords to the Chromebooks. And if you know anything, I, I, all school districts are different, but in our school district, they um, send the Google Meet links to the children's email addresses. Well, I couldn't get to the Google link for the classroom because I didn't have a password to the Chromebook, which didn't allow me to get to the email. So for the first day and a half, I'm excited, we're pumped, we're telling them they're in big boy kindergarten now, and we're doing absolutely nothing all day because <laughs> the school wasn't prepared and didn't have the passwords so that we could log into the Chromebook. Um, I had to deal with, you know, oh, I hate school, school is boring. Um, so after we got through that first day and a half and everything was all set after that, it, it's been smooth sailing since then. Um, but those first couple of days um, was was rough. And I'll just read out the same barrier, um, just developing that genuine connection. That's really um, has been the only barrier for me. Also having to be the tech expert during class, um, that's a huge barrier because I only have 45 minutes. So at least 10 of those minutes are helping students get in Zoom. I can't find the Zoom link. I can't find the password. So um, I think the good thing in all of this is that all stakeholders have to be involved. Um, parents, teachers, students, community, everybody has to be involved with this process. So. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I just want to say one more thing add to that. Um, the teacher, I will say on the teacher side, I'm not the teacher, but on the teacher side, we are spending at least 10 minutes. You know, so they're broken up in different groups. So all 25 students or 30 students, however, are not in the same class. Um, it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of high school where, you know, they have to go to different periods. Mm -hmm. But um, 10 minutes of that time is spent. Hey, little so-and-so, you're not in this group. Please <laughs> log off. Or, hey, little fella, you're not, you're not supposed to be here. Log off. Can everybody mute their microphones, you know? Um, and it's very hard. And for the ones who have parents that are working from home that can't stop working because they can't sit with them. And, and again, they're five. They don't know how to physically use a Chromebook. So it, it is hard. And, it's, and I see the teacher, she's frustrated at times. Um, but I think as the year progresses or as the days go on, it will get better. Because like I said, they are learning now what mute and unmute means. and. You know, they're learning to raise their hand still and be called on, you know, to unmute your microphones. But that is a barrier on the teacher side. I mean, it, it's hard getting every, and, and one thing, and I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, so why isn't the teacher muting everybody for themselves? But she wants them to do it themselves. So um, it, it, it's going to take some time, but that is a barrier too. Um, I would say I experienced um, social barriers in college. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times after a Zoom call, some people on the Zoom would like to stay on and talk to the professors. I was the student who was just ready to hit leave and just be done with it. Like after being on Zoom for two hours, I don't really want to like connect with anybody. I mean, students would be like, we're going to create study calls and study Zooms and we're going to meet at eight and nine o'clock. I just wasn't feeling it. But I realized that you know, I'm in college now, this is serious, so I have to take it very seriously. Even though I'm virtual and I didn't want to do it, I had to like, you know, put that effort in and join meetings and like Zoom calls later at night 
or just be more interactive with the students because that's how I would be on campus. And that was really hard for me because after being on Zoom or looking at a computer seven hours straight, the last thing I want to do is just log on later for another three or four hours. But, you know, you have to do what you have to do. Um, I did experience a little technical issues at first. I think my first day of logging on to Zoom, my computer was updating and that took like 10 minutes. So I was literally like three minutes late for class. So I got like my target or whatever. But yeah, it was some technical issues at first. Um, but the, luckily my professor was understanding. Um, I would say I had a communication barrier because so they have like on Canvas, they have like an agenda and it tells you when everything is due. So we went into the Zoom meeting and everyone thought the assignment was due after class. But it turned out it was due before class. So the teacher was like, oh, everyone, this time is due before class. And everyone was like in the comments, because you're not allowed to have your mic on in the comments. They were like, oh, everyone, I thought it was due after class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he's, and then he made it when he said for this one time that you're allowed to turn it in after class. But the future reference that all assignments are due before class comes on for the Zoom meeting. So um, it's just like, no one knew so like there was no communication to the teacher because he never told us so that's one thing that was different i would say communication too because the teachers they have like there's on the schedule they tell you specific times to, to join your class but some of the teachers like to join earlier than you're supposed to so you miss attendance sometimes and like you, you can't get it back and then you have to go and email her and tell them that that you weren't able to do it and then you have to get your schedule fixed and it takes all this time and they don't get back to you so communication is definitely different and harder and technology is definitely a big struggle in my classes a lot of kids can't get in they don't have the codes they don't know they don't know how to get in and that was definitely hard this first week of school yeah, yeah i just have one more oh, yeah go no go ahead Nye. I just have one more thing to add. Um, in the like about two or three weeks ago, there was a problem where I was having a project with a group of um, students in my African American heritage class, and one of the students was an international student from Nigeria, and um, they're on different time zones. So when I, it's eight, like here in the morning, it's like seven p.m. or something later in the night. So we had to like work on a schedule and it was really hard because I was literally up 3 a.m. in the morning and it's like morning time for them. So I emailed my professor and we were able to like work something out, but it was really difficult because of the time changes because everyone is on different time zones. Some people from, you know, Detroit, different places, different coastal zones. So it was hard working with other people um, in different time zones. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that is. Yeah, because everybody is not. So what do you guys do? Yeah, what do you guys do? And then my professor was like, "Well, you need to get your grade going." I'm like, "Well, I'm up four a.m. in the morning, and I got a class in three out, well, three four four hours." But we made it work, but it was really challenging. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, So do you guys just use Eastern Standard Time, the time that the school was in, or how did you? Yeah, we use the time. Yeah, we do use the time that we're in currently in South Carolina, South Carolina. Um, and the international students or students in um, different parts of the world, they are understanding of that, so they have to make adjustments for it. Um, and we do too because our work is still, you know, our top priority. Um, 
sometimes professors will show a little grace and then sometimes you have professors who just won't care and another thing is that another barrier i had was um this is the last one as far as like being in class you have to be very like on time um and be attentive but when i was joining a class my professor the class was at 10 and he didn't join until like 10 15 and we didn't know that he takes attendance through the waiting list and waits five minutes. So we had to talk that out. That was a communication barrier because we didn't know his schedule. So he had to tell us his schedule so we would be understanding and things like that. So, yeah. I wanted to add another barrier, um, just in case teachers are listening. Um, Ariel, you bring me another beer? Students during this adolescent age, the, um, they're not as willing to adjust. So they struggle with change. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that we are all practicing um, compassion and yeah, grace right funny. now because um, my students, anyway, they're really struggling with change. So I have many lessons on what is a growth mindset, what is a fixed mindset, how do you pivot, how do you get comfortable being uncomfortable. So um, I think it's very important that we don't just jump in and try to teach math or science or whatever the content is and that we actually understand that they're doing something completely different and try to help them make that transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all great commentary, and um, uh, and as you can see, every all of us have experienced some type of barrier as well. And I think another barrier that uh, was mentioned in another question is those are those students who have older parents or whose parents work, and they may stay with their grandparents throughout the day. When they have these technical problems, you know, sometimes they aren't, you know tech savvy to the point where they can actually help resolve those. Uh, one thing since I've been doing this podcast that I've experienced is that when I have older people on, they have issues with technology. It's not always it's seamless. So, you know, you have to, I've had to spend like an hour making sure, you know, coaching everybody up, making sure that they're able to get logged on. So I can only imagine how, how that happens. I know when my sister finally goes back to work, they're going to be, her kids are going to be staying with my mom and my mom is not, you know, a computer literate like that. So what, what are they going to do when she has challenges? So, um, again, it's, um, I guess it's everybody's new norm. Um, a lot of the things we talked about, we've talked about a lot of the um, adverse issues that we, that we have when it comes to virtual learning. Uh, so let's, change pace a little bit. So are there any benefits to the virtu to the uh, virtual option? Yes. I don't know it took y'all a while to, to acknowledge it. I, I was about to say <laughs> Yeah, to think about that one. <laughs> what are some of the benefits, Naya? Um, okay, so technology. You have to learn how to use technology. You, especially with like, like Wi-Fi, connection um just you have to learn how to use it and you have to learn little niches with it my computer is synced now where it knows that when i clicked on it i'm clicking on zoom so like zoom is already on the corner i just have to tap it you have to learn technology even if you're using like um your phone you have to like learn how to use it and learn how to block other things out um as far as as being college i've learned that being virtual has extended the professional and personal connection with people for instance like i was saying you know when, once your class is over um usually people just you know they're on campus i'm sure they would just go back to their dorm sleep you know study but you have to like either stay on the zoom call talk to your professors about your grades or the assignments or you connect with your 
um, your classmates more through GroupMe um, and any other type of social media, or you can, you know, FaceTime people, ask about assignments or work on things. So it kind of extends that professional and personal connection with people because you have to kind of make it work virtually the best way you can, especially when you're doing projects. Um, I think we were utilizing, utilizing um, like Snapchat and TikTok a lot more. So we had to find a way to do that and send it through an email and links and things like that. So it definitely extends that connection that you have with people because you have to work with them even through email. You have to call them more, you know, email or things like that. And as far as virtual, I think virtual just increases, um, for me personally, increases my productivity. If I wake up early, I feel more eager to get things done throughout the day. So by five or six, I'm done. I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, I, I can agree that um, technology is, um, is one of the benefits, um, especially with the younger children, getting them more acclimated to um, technology, uh, the Chromebooks or whatever devices that they're using um, for their virtual learning experience. Um, the other thing, uh, and I don't want to get too far ahead because I think this is going to be a future question, but virtual, this virtual option is proving that it works. Like, um, and I, and we had this survey at work again, because I'm virtual at home and, you know, and they asked who wants to come back to the office. Of course, nobody raised their hand because we're, we're still productive. I mean, some days are longer than others. You know, some days are shorter. We kind of work on the weekends or we're working after hours or, but we've proven, you know, that it works. So, you know, is this the new wave of the future or is there, is this going to be some type of hybrid model going forward? Um, that I cannot answer, but I think it is a benefit that um, if we can seamlessly kind of pull off the school year being 100% virtually, you know, what's to come? Yeah, I agree. And um, the benefit for me as an educator is that students are more um, autonomous. So they learn to be independent learners, something that we've been trying to teach or I've been trying to teach for a while. Um, they're frustrated in the beginning, but now they're catching on. They, like uh, Melanie said, her son, he can sit down. He's in the 11th grade. He does his work on his own. So they're a little more independent than they would be in the classroom. That's a plus. Um, another benefit is, um, like Naya said, they're changing with this constantly changing global market. So they're learning these 21st century skills. They're forced to learn them now. Um, I think another benefit for me is that I have more flexibility. So on my break, I'll go outside and walk for 10 minutes. I might cook some breakfast. Um, I might take a quick nap. So I'm more productive. So there are benefits. I would hope that when we decide to go back to the traditional learning or the traditional space, I would hope that most schools would consider adopting a hybrid model because this does work. However, we are social beings, so we need to have that social interaction. Um, like I said, when it comes to like the productivity, waking up in the morning does make you feel more productive because you can get a jump start on the day, get your assignments done. And it also helps you to manage your time um, because there's not like a teacher at school telling you you have to do this and you have to do it. So you like learn to adapt and manage your time wisely. So if we do go back to school, um, we will, if we do go back to school face to face, like 
there'll be like that time management instilled in you that you know when you have to get your assignments done and you be prepared to do them. And I would like to add that just like any other system in America, I feel like this is a privilege. So while it might work for us, it still neglects the most vulnerable students who don't have parents at home, who do not have that structure. So this works for me and it you know, may work for everybody on this podcast, but there's so many children, typically black and brown children, um, who are you know, in low-income areas and they may not have the same experience. So the school I'm at now is a theme school, so um, parents have to be involved. They get volunteer hours, they have to be involved, so there's uh, children who remain at the school. However, when I was teaching at a low in, in a low-income area, um, it was much different. So I can't imagine how that looks um, in other areas. So regardless of the, uh, obviously there there are going to be challenges because this is new. There are some positives, so it, it does actually work. Um, so I guess it's definitely a um, a good thing to hear because I wasn't quite I wasn't too sure about it when it first you know launched, but. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens if um, if we adopt it permanently or not. Um, and Layla and Jada, I want to st- I want to start with you guys with the next question, because I know you're both athletes. So um, what is the impact on virtual school and athletics or is there an impact at all? Well, the only class that we have to go back to school for is like it's called a ba- it's basketball class. So like, it since it's at regular school, it's broken up into like. A through L, I think, goes to school on goes to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the other half goes to school on Wednesdays and Fridays. So when we have the basketball class, if the class is split up, so there's not as many people. And also, when it comes to athletics, um, the seasons are shortened, so this like you know you can play out of conference games, but now you only play with people in your conference. And there's a limit of the people that can be in like the gym. So if there's a volleyball game, there's only like it's only like I don't know how much percent, but like there's a limit of people, and you have to pre-order your tickets online so that um, you don't just walk in there and expect to get a ticket if there's um, the max amount of people that are allowed to be in the gym or in the gym. Well, obviously, I'm a ninth grader, and going to school to try to play basketball, it's definitely harder. You have to work harder now because there's you only go on one day, and there's only a group of people there. But then there's people that come on the second day, and you don't really know them, and you can't really interact with them or, like, get to know them better as people. And so you have to go, and you pull it up today. Um, you have to work harder, I would say. And since the season is shortened, you have like let harder time for like film to give out to college coaches. You don't really have a big chance of doing that. You don't know how much you're gonna play as a freshman and whatever sport you're gonna give in high school. Okay. Any of you other guys have uh, any commentary about uh, school virtual learning and uh, athletics? I don't have. My older son um, is not in the athletic department per se, but he is on the marching band. Um, and they they uh, they still had band camp this summer, which was maybe two or three days. Um, and I had you no, know, I had asked 
principle about that one. You know, what are you guys doing to keep them safe, especially playing instruments? Um, you know, being in small groups. Um, and he kind of laid out the plan of, you know, what the band director had in place and, you know, how they would protect them and socially distance and, you know, they would and them being outside. Um, and they have to go to, and he has to go to um, practice once a week. Um, it's still yet to be determined what they're actually practicing for, uh, because I've heard that spring sport, that sports have been, fall sports have been moved to the spring, so I'm not sure. Um, that I am not clear on the athletics in the school district just yet, but um, they, they have been maintaining their guidelines and keeping them safe when they are on campus or when they need to be. And um, I still talk to my former students from um, Fernborough High School. And one student I spoke with, he's in college in North Carolina. And he was just telling me that he was ready to drop out um, because the season is different. So a lot of kids are dealing with a lot of mental health issues and just feeling unmotivated and suffering from depression because that's been their saving grace, you know, their whole life. So um, that's the downside of it. But I hope that this makes us more innovative and try to figure out how to reach students outside of sports, using sports still, but a lot of kids who rely on sports um, for that community and, you know, other things that we should provide outside of school, they're suffering now. So um, that is the hard part of it. But I do like how schools are still using group meetings, different things like that to keep them um, connected in some way. Yeah. Um... I would say, like, coming from a high school that didn't have sports, um, it's a little different, um, but it's just a big adjustment. Yeah, and um, I'm a... I'm as big a football fan as I know, uh, but even with uh, college and professional sports starting this weekend, it's just... I don't know, like I'm not as excited as I was in, in times past because not all not all the teams are playing. Some teams have to postpone because of COVID concerns and there are no fans in the stadiums. And if there are fans, um, they're scarce. So it's just not, it's just not the same for me. And uh, I know that with my nephew, he worked extremely hard to get his football scholarship. So he was all hyped and excited about playing this fall, but their season has been postponed until spring. So now he's frustrated and you know I'm trying to encourage them letting them know hey this is the time for you it's your freshman year your first semester it gives you time to focus on your craft it gives you time to um, focus on your grades you know and become a better student but it's extremely frustrating overall what's that are they still having team practices? Yeah, they they still work out and, you know, they still have team meetings and weightlifting and, and, and stuff like that. And um, so they do group activities, but I guess he's more so like ready to get on the field itself. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, Carmilla, for the next question, I want to begin with you, because I think what's lost in all of this, you know, we talk about supporting the kids and we talk about making sure the parents are supported. Um, so I want you all to elaborate, but um, I'll ask you, as an educator, do you feel supported in your teaching model? Absolutely. <laughs> um. I just, I really can't say much. I will say that um, nationally teachers aren't supported outside of the teacher model. So imagine being virtual. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the workload has increased because I think um, students, I mean, not students, teachers just aren't respected. We're treated like children. We're constantly monitored by the community, by parents, by the district. And so somehow people don't trust teachers and they think, you know, we're constantly doing something else. So because we're at home, I think they think that we have additional time or they want to make sure we're working. So it's a lot of micromanaging. Um, and not just at my school, just on a national level. Um, so now that we're virtual, the micromanaging is at another level. So the admin work that I have to do keeps me from um, creating creative lesson plans for my students. So I have to invest in a lot of paper, invest my time in doing paperwork and not invest my time in my students. So that's been frustrating. Um, so that's that's about all I'll say about that. Okay. What um what can we do as parents to help support you? I will say that parents have been extremely supportive. Um, I'm in my eighth year, and my issue has never been with parents. So, in my experience, I've always had really supportive parents, and I think that's because I just try hard to develop a good rapport in the beginning. Um, I would just say, I would actually say parents should have more grace with their children. So that's something that they can do for us because what happens is the children show up in our classroom anxious, um, depressed. And so we have to manage that behavior because now they're angry with us because there's a lot of pressure from home, but I understand there's a lot of pressure from home because parents are concerned about grades. So when I tell my students on the first day, your grade is my second priority, they're like, what? And I'm constantly telling them, do not worry about your grade right now. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna teach you and you're not gonna learn, but these students are really stressed about their grades. Like grind culture has them completely stressed about making an A in the midst of a pandemic and that worries me. So I don't know where the pressure is coming from. So if I can give it some advice um, to parents generally, just have a little bit of grace for students right now. That doesn't mean don't have any expectations for them. But I know typically um, in our community, we teach our children to work twice as hard and that's they're trying to work three times as hard right now. You know, I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm actually glad I asked you that because I had a conversation with my son the other day. I get um his daily updates on his grades, and I saw that he had he, it was a, a quiz, a pop quiz. I think it was like 12 questions or so, and he missed one. So missing one automatically gave him a C. And I asked, I said, "Dude, like, bruh, you're home." you don't have anything else to do but say you know in your virtual classroom like why are you missing us you know i was i was hard um but i'm glad that you said that because that that kind of sparked a light a light bulb yeah they are working three times as hard and even harder than what i would have expected you know being in a physical classroom so and thank you they're yeah. doing really, really, really well to say this is so new to them. You know, still hold them accountable. I just try to practice that accountability and compassion. It's hard mm -hmm. balancing that. So, you know, I just do the best I can. Yeah. All right, cool beans. Um, do, do the rest of you guys have anything you want to add um, at all? Or are you good? I will um, say on a, on a lighter note, just really quickly. <laughs> 
you know, they, my friend always used to get in trouble for talking or kind of acting out, wanting to be the class clown. And, and every, every time it would be, oh, it wasn't me. Somebody was talking to me. Or, you know, the teacher saw me and didn't see the other student. And then now I'm realizing, no, it's you. It, you know, it's, it's not the teacher. So that's on a lighter note. So <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's different for me now, too, because now my classroom is broadcasted in everybody's home. So that's mm-hmm. scary for me as a teacher because I'm like, I'm not just teaching my students. Your uncle can hear me. Your grandma can hear me. I mean, they can just be talking about me in the other room. So that's scary. Um, yeah, and that's got to be a lot of pressure, too. Oh, man. That's, um, the first week was really hard for me. But then at some point, I was like, you know what? I just I just have to show up. Like, I show up in my classroom. And yeah. sometimes I slip and say some things. But, oh, well, that's that's what I would do in my class. So. Um, okay, so what she was saying about the grades. Um, I can kind of relate to that because in college, like we only have about three or four assignments in the grade book now. So when you see a grade as it is now, I know our teachers are, they spend a lot more time grading things like that. They've been telling us to not stress about our assignments and don't worry and things like that. But as a student who's like, like a overachiever and I see something I don't like to see, oh, I'm already frustrated, you know? So it just adds that pressure onto it because it's like, what's going on? I want to know. Um, so it's like from a student perspective, I have to be a lot more patient, um, with my teachers and understand they have lives too outside of the virtual room. You know, they're still, you know, either helping their kids through virtual teaching and then they also have faculty meetings afterwards. And also that, you know, as, um, as an educator, I understand it could be hard because like, I email my professor about three to four times a week. Yeah. And just imagine getting, just imagine, well, he's born, so like, um, just imagine getting like, I don't know, 50 emails a day, you know? So I can understand that can be very frustrating. So my mom's an educator as well. So she tells me like, you know, after, I always try to respect people's time, like after five, no emails, things like that, you know, be very understanding. But, you know, it can be a little hard and frustrating sometimes. Um, but as a student, I've learned to be a lot more patient and just kind of like, trust the process yeah that's good and college is a different level so yeah it's, it's different um because really it's like you're really on your own like mm-hmm. i say this and my mom laughs me but i treat my room like a dorm room um because if i were in my dorm now which i'm moving in soon it would be the same way you know i have to handle the situations on my own of course i can tell my mom but she can't be like a high school parent and call up and talk to my guidance counselor principal no it doesn't work like that in college, you have to follow a chain of command and things like that. So it's easy to be a lot more patient and kind of trust the process and be very independent. Yeah. And Hook, you also want to think about um, teachers who have children. So I'm single. I'm here by myself. I can do what I want to do. But I went to Spartanburg last week and I was at my sister's and I had to teach. And my brother-in-law was like tiptoeing around and then my niece came in the room and asked me a question. I'm like, she get off the camera. And I'm like, how do people do this? And this is every day for some people. So I can't imagine teachers who have to teach virtually and also make sure their uh, children are learning virtually. I, just, I, can't, I don't know how they're doing it. I honestly don't. Yeah, definitely. And um, I always thought so before, but even more so now with this new normal, um, teachers are severely underpaid. Um, I've always thought that, you know, we don't, 
I think you mentioned earlier about the respect level for teachers and we don't really appreciate the things that they bring to the table, the things they have to endure, um, whether you're a parent or single, you know, they're, you know, I mean, you may not be a parent yourself, but you have 30, 40, 50 plus kids who you have to be a parent to for at least, you know, a, a few hours a day. So um, definitely my hat's off to you. Uh, when I first went to college, that's, you know, I wanted to be an educator, but I quickly changed my mind. Um, you know, it's, it's still a passion of mine, but, you know, just in a different venue. So again, my, my hat's definitely go off to you. Um, but I do, um, I do have, we, we're running a little, we're, you know, getting, winding things down. So I do have, uh, one more question for you, and then I'll allow you guys to go through with your, uh, your takeaways. So the final question I have for you is, um, how do you balance school, work life and home life now that they're pretty much in the same place? I heard somebody on Twitter, or I read on Twitter, somebody said, um, we don't work from home, we live at work. And when I read that, it convicted me so badly because I literally clocked in at around 6.45 and I'm working until I go to bed. So even when I'm not at the computer, I'm grading or I'm thinking about what I have to do. And I typically work longer than my work hours, um, even in traditional learning. But with this, I'm working all the time. So there was no balance until like three days ago. Um, <laughs> and it's a, it's a challenge. Every single day, I just have to tell myself, you won't get it done. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's not going to get done because I can't afford to work all day and not tend to my mental and emotional health. So. Right. I, I totally agree, and I'm with you. I think this past week is when I realized if it's not going to get done, it's not going to get done. Um, being, you know, having two kindergartners in the high school or, you know, with the kindergartners, I'm actually sitting with them during their synchronous learning time because, again, I have to kind of help them sit, make sure that they're sitting still, they're paying attention, they're not touching on each other, fighting each other, you know, and, and they're actually gaining something from the experience. I do have um, my mother that comes and helps with that as well. But again, that's Nana. So, you know, sometimes they don't listen 100%. But um, so in order to circumvent that time that I was spending, you know, away from work, sitting with them, I would work late nights you know, be on my laptop to 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the evening, um, working Sundays, you know, um, I'm up at six in the morning while I'm making them breakfast, you know, doing emails. And, you know, it, it just became too much where I was burnt out. And I finally said, you know, hey, my supervisor knows that my kids are 100% virtual. He's fine with that. As long as work is getting done, it's just that is, it's just going to have to be what it is. You know, I cannot continue having, you know, all of the, all of putting all of these hours, you know, out of my day and not taking time to relax for myself. You know, as soon as I go to bed, I'm up doing something else again for work. Um, and it finally got to the point where it's like, no, enough is enough. I'm still going to take my lunch break during the day, even if I'm helping. Um, I might stay on till six or seven in the evening, but after that, I have to cut short. Like there has to be a break off point at some time, because again, if I'm not mentally there or meant, you know, to help support them or, you know, um, help with their schoolwork or just around the house, I, I'm no good to them. So you definitely gotta find a balance and I'm just realizing that and taking my time back. 
reclaiming oh, my time. Your time, bro. <laughs> For me, as a student, I would say, well, when you have a class and then you have, like, after the class is over, you have, like, 15 minutes before your next class starts. So, like, that's the time, like, you take the dog. I took the dog outside. I poked him. So, it will be, like, a little bit tired so he won't mess with me while I'm doing, like, the Zoom classes and stuff. And I poked him and I eat. I eat breakfast. I eat food. And, um... I just like doing things around the house just so during that time so that when I get back on or when school's over with, I don't have to do it after school so that I can have time to do my homework and relax and stuff like that. You definitely have to take breaks in between your classes and like the work that you do because it can all like be overwhelming for you. You just do it all at once and you don't like take a deep breath in between. So I, I try to do that in between my classes or and after school so that I have time for myself. Um, let's see. I have to refer back to what Twitter said about pray for college students because we're just submitting assignments at 59. Um, it's a lot harder because, um, like my day starts around 8 and then sometimes we'll have Zoom meetings and community service opportunities and they'll schedule those meetings for like 10 o'clock at night or like 9.30. And I'm like, around my time, eight is like my time where I don't want to see anything else from the school or none of that. Um, but balancing, I think the best thing is you have to prioritize. Um, you have to consider what's like your three top things you need to do with the day that you need to get done, do your classes or whatever your work is, get those things done. Um, I've been learning that. I can't say to do I'll try to do some of it not the whole essay um and just try to my best to manage my time and you know my personal life um and spend time with my family and like wind down um I try not to like beat myself up for not doing everything that I was expected to do that day because things happen things pop up meetings pop up things get canceled things um time sometimes time is extended um if I'm meeting with the professor it could go from 15 to 45 minutes to extra 30 minutes I can expect to happen it could tie into your time where you want to do other things you could be late for classes um some professors cancel classes so it's really just a matter of just taking what is thrown at you and trying to make the best shot that you can so just being very patient and um just utilizing your time wisely has definitely been helpful uh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. And um, Naya, since you just finished talking, we'll go ahead and uh, end with you. Uh, what are some takeaways that you uh, that you want the audience to have? Um, I want the audience to understand that virtual learning is probably going to continue um, for um, a while now. We don't know how long. I'm hoping, hoping everyone is hoping that COVID nineteen. Um, discontinues and that we can go back to our normal lives, but this is the new normal. So we have to take um, what we have now and make the most of it and just be very understanding and patient um, for the people who are doing virtual learning, for the parents who are helping, the educators who are teaching the students and for anybody else who is a part of the virtual room um, and just make the most of it and understand that there are some pros to virtual learning and cons to virtual learning. But sometimes the good does outweigh the bad, and sometimes the bad outweighs the good, but we have to just take it for what it is because I'm sure if we were sitting at home doing nothing, that would be a problem. So we should be grateful that we have virtual learning now. Definitely. Mel? Um, 
I kind of, the takeaway is kind of what, what we talked about when we um, got on the question about what type of support the teachers have. And I asked, you know, how can parents help is the compassion. Um, as Carmel said, we, we have, you know, as people of color, we have, we put so much pressure on our children um, and they already have it hard. We want them to excel. We want them to be as good and better than, or know that they are as good as, you know, their counterparts 